Hello and welcome to Season 2 of the Chai Break Podcast. This is your host, Shweta Ravi Shankar. And Ramachari from New York City. This season, we're excited to interview a roster of amazing South Asian women who have broken barriers, questioned norms, and continue to make a mark for themselves. They come to you from all over the globe, from Bangalore to New York, Melbourne and everywhere in between. We hope you enjoy these conversations as much as we do and chime in along the way. So let's get started. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Chai Break podcast from a very chilly New York City. Hi, everybody. Yes, today's actually, actually yesterday was even more chilly and uh, rainy. And today seems to be a little chilly outside too. Mm-hmm. But I think we're heading um, into the holiday season and we're heading straight into the winter. Let's see what the rest of the months have. Yep. But today's episode is going to be an amazing one. It's all about how one woman's mission to share the truth turned into a 40,000 strong following. Wow. That's amazing. So we're going to give a very warm welcome to Divya Saneji, who's the founder of South Asian Nation on Instagram. So Divya actually has made gender inclusivity, sorry, gender inclusivity, fighting the patriarchal system, breaking stigma, supporting marginalized voices, and curating South Asian content as her life mantra through the South Asian Nation. One of the main traits and what I really love about her and after seeing her Instagram is that she's unapologetically herself and she uses this platform and voice for the greater good and getting 40,000 strong followers. Come on, that's not a normal feat. That's a big feat. Yeah. So Divya is here with us today to share her story. Hi, Divya. How are you? Hi, ladies. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Oh my God. I had a lot of um, twisters when I was telling about inclusivity. (laughs) (laughs) No, I completely understand. (laughs) I have one of those too. (laughs) I unapologetically apologize for that. (laughs) So Divya, to get started, you grew up in India and uh, just like us. So what were those growing up years like? And uh, what were some of your influences? Because you're so brave and you're so bold. Were you always like this? Did circumstances change that over time? Tell us a little bit about that. Okay, so I grew up in a very small town then, a big town now, Gurgaon, Mm -hmm. which is very close to Delhi. And... um, I also am, I belong to other backward caste, so would like to mention that. Mm-hmm. And used to live in old Gurgaon in a very, in a rented home with my parents. My, both of my parents worked and, you know, we were poor. When I say poor, it's, it's literally an understatement. We didn't have, we didn't, we had food on the table because I had my, you know, my grandparents living close to us. So we had help that way, but we had struggles like i you you know when you hear from people or when you when you see it on tv that mm-hmm. one of those dialogues where people are like oh yeah i'm one of those kids who studied under the street lamp i am that kid oh, wow. <laughs> you've oh, come wow. a long so, way you've come a long way yes. so that's that's amazing yeah. yes I, i've been that kid but also um talking about how i am the way i am now it definitely shaped my circumstances shaped me that way mm-hmm. because um, there was a time when my father wasn't working 
And my mother had to work overtime to, you know, make money for the family and, you know, bring food on the table and everything else and to pay the fees for our uh, school and pay the rent of the house. Mm -hmm. And I remember she was making 500 rupees every month. And we were making we we were making it work in that money in the 90s. Gosh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. I think people in the audience who haven't been in living, you know, been raised in India should start converting what 500 rupees really translates to mm-hmm. in dollars. Yeah. And yeah. they'll get the significance of it. Yeah. 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 It's pretty remarkable. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So I think when my parents were away and we would come back from school, we just had to take care of ourselves mm-hmm. for the rest of mm-hmm. the day. Mm-hmm. So I think we learned how to live the life and, you know, navigate around circumstances and challenges mm-hmm. and, you know, even at times when it, w- it used to rain a lot and our house was literally below the main surface of the street, mm. so the, it would be flooded every time and the water of the gutter and garbage, everything, and me and my brother would just like swim in it and clean the whole house out when our parents won't be home. So um, we learned our ways, I think, growing up. Mm-hmm. and And then luckily when my father found his standing in life and we started, you know, we, we, he made a decent money after that. Mm-hmm. And then I was sent to Delhi to study. It's not a big deal for a lot of people, but for me, it was a big town. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I used to be from Gurgaon where nothing was developed by then. Mm-hmm. It was 2003. Nothing was there. And my father took me to a bus station, like a, you know, the local roadways bus stand. Um, and he showed me a bus and he said, this is the bus you're going to take seven o'clock in the morning. And then you're going to figure out which bus you're going to take back home. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> so I said, okay. And then, of course, he sent me to a college which was full of rich kids. I was the only kid who was traveling by, uh, you know, public transport. Everyone else had their drivers driving them around. And again, I used to walk miles and kilometers to reach my college uh, from the bus stand. Mm -hmm. So it was definitely interesting journey. Yeah. So I feel like all the circumstances and everything that I've, you know, seen in life and been through has changed me into this person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I could not be anyone else but me. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And even now, like coming to the U.S., it has changed everything. Well, we can get to that later. Yes, yes, yes. No, definitely. Because from India, from that little town in Gurgaon all the way to, you know, the US and the birth of South Asian nation, how did all of that happen? Yeah, absolutely. So that's very important. So when I moved here, um, as soon as I moved here, I, I felt sick. I had a really bad allergy to ibuprofen. and I was, you know, bedridden for like six months. And it happened from September to March, which is, you know, beginning of snow. And I wasn't able to walk. I wasn't able, and even during doctor's visit, I wasn't able to wear shoes because I had blisters on my feet. So it was hard, like another learning experience for me as soon as I got here. And during that time, I had a lot to, you know, retrospect about my life and what I want to do. So I always wanted to start something that would inspire people. And but the problem was 
whoever I spoke to and whoever I came across in the U.S., you know, from South Asian background or Indian people who are born here, first generation American kids in diaspora. One thing that I noticed that they love the culture, but they don't know the problems. I mean, yes, they have familial problems in their families, which are, yes, it's a part of the culture, but they don't know the grassroots problems that happens at the homeland. Mm -hmm. But I just didn't want to cover India. I wanted to cover the whole South Asia because we have the same story. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We have the same trauma. Very similar culture. Yes. And um, in terms of food, in terms of clothing, in terms of politics, religion, everything, it's just we had the same struggles. So I wanted to bridge that gap Mm. and raise awareness about and start conversations about casteism, colorism, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, mental health, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. especially in our culture and how how it's perceived and also women's health in India, especially in villages and Mm -hmm. how it is even now. Yeah. So I think I've covered array of topics. Yes. How to yes. even count. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But uh, that was the reason I wanted to start uh, South Asian yeah. Nation. No, I remember the early days when I actually discovered you and then South Asian Nation on Instagram. And I've learned a big deal, a very big deal about many different things, you know, especially like the nuances of casteism, you know. And I think um, in the kind of bubble that I grew up in, like I always... I had friends from everywhere, but I I don't think I gave importance to caste because I was just like, you're my friend. I don't care where you're from. But then like when you are from, you know, a lower caste and you do have those, you know, the other kind of experience, you know, it is very important to speak out. And it is it then becomes more important for people like us to, you know, educate ourselves about it. Yes. You know, um, and say that, Yes, maybe I did not see it happening or I did not view it that way. But no, there are people who are dealing with these kind of issues every single day. Mm-hmm. And uh, bringing those people to the platform was something so important. And uh, you did that so beautifully, so eloquently. So kudos to you for that. Thank you. Yes, so I, I I think one of the wonderful things about our podcast is we we interview some amazing women, and everybody has this beautiful story. I think everybody in this world has a story. Yes, but how many people actually tell their story to the world? And that's kind of where you stand out, where you pretty much use your background to tell your story to the world. So it's not just easy to just come back come to the US and just get up and just start a, a Instagram page. I mean, I'm sure there, you mentioned they were motivated, but what was the real driver? Like, you know, what just like, were the experiences in your childhood that said, like, I need to tell people what this is all about? Or were the experiences here in the U.S., particularly? Like, you know, I mean, there's always a big reason why one just jumps up and just starts a beautiful page like this and just starts educating people. So I want to just dig a little bit deeper into what's, what were those drivers? Absolutely. Wow. Amazing question, Rima. So I would start with casteism because that is something I've never said publicly. Um, So when I was growing up, I was a kid who wanted to fit in because, you know, I knew I was talented. I knew I, I could make friends. But in my town, 
people would ask your cast before they would ask your name. Mm-hmm. For example, they would be like, oh, so which cast are you? Is it Kshatriya? Is it this? Is it that? So I started lying about my cast. I started telling them, oh, my name is Divya Varma and I am a Kshatriya or something. Mm-hmm. You know, I never wanted to share about my cast because they would not let me be friends with them. They wouldn't want me to be in their group. And even though I had a lot of issues in my life, I was a cool kid. <laughs> <laughs> so um, also another thing was I was a bit light skinned and with people usually have this, you know, uh, misconception that people with backward caste or lower caste, they have to be darker skin and they mm-hmm. have to live in a certain area. And they did. In my town, people from backward caste or lower caste, they lived in a certain area. But for me, we did not. We lived in a neighborhood, even though it was not that great, but we lived in a neighborhood where uh, there were Punjabis and Sikh people. So even they did not know my mm-hmm. caste. I just want to say that I cannot imagine having to think about all of that at such a young age, you know, um, you first of all, just figuring out like, you know, what this whole world is all about and to get into those, you know, nitty gritty nuances. Yeah. That that must have been really hard. Absolutely. And guess what? When I started talking about my cast, it, it's because of my father. When I grew up after college and everything, um, my father was very involved in our community service. So he he actually built a temple for the people of my community so that they can go to that temple and they would not be kicked out. That's wonderful. Yeah. So uh, we did. he did a lot. And because of him, I learned that I'm not going to hide my identity. So when I came to the U.S., that's what I realized, that mm-hmm. this is my time. I'm at a place where I see casteism creeping in families here I am trying to hide it from the world, but now is the time that I'm going to tell the world that I am from backward caste and this is my reality and this is how I grew up and I'm going to change that. Mm -hmm. And that's how the discussion about casteism started. Mm. And then fat phobia, that's what I've actually gone through within my marriage. Even when when I met my, you know, ex-husband, he He's very handsome. He's tall. He's athletic. He's very American looking or Korean. He's Indian, but he lives, looks very Korean. <laughs> so he, when he met me, I was a larger body. I was more than 200 pounds. So he decided to get married to me then. But when I lost weight and I came to America, I lost weight a little bit, not too much. So I got a lot of uh, fat phobic comments that oh don't you do portion control when you eat you just keep eating and stuff like that and I never heard anything like that in my life before because my confidence level in India was off the roof I used to think that I was hot and sexy and whatever but when I got married everything came crashing down everything and that's what I've and I did not even make sense of a lot of things that Maybe that's how they are because everyone in their family is like, you know, slim and uh, petite and all of that. So I did my best 
to even during my blisters, I was not able to walk. I still walked on a treadmill bare feet <sighs> to start my journey of losing weight so that I could make my husband happy That's- or my family happy or my in-laws happy. Mm-hmm. But he was never happy even after that. Mm-hmm. So, and I started working out a lot um, and to show him that, you know, I'm I'm here for change. I'm here to change this. But even when I lost substantial amount of weight and I got down to like 150 or 145 pounds, he was still not happy. Wasn't quite enough. Yeah. Yeah. It's not enough. Like I've seen you fat. Now you're the fat one for me. You cannot be the slim girl for me. You know, like your image is set in my head kind of. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I lived with my in-laws. That's another issue because I'm from North. They're from Gujarat. So we always have this kind of little bit of misunderstanding in the families and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it happens it's very very common yeah, in yeah, our yeah. culture it is it is yeah so all of that um you know I, of course to get out of all that i had to start you know looking for jobs and i was told that oh you just moved to america you cannot get a job unless you work in retail mm-hmm. i said i'm not working in retail i will not that's not my talent Mm-hmm. I always used to, it's not that retail is a bad job. No, no job is a wrong job. But for me, in my head, as an Indian mind, I would be like, no, I'm talented. I'm going to get a job in my industry. I'm going to get a job in digital marketing or wherever I will. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I worked hard every day. I would wake up at seven in the morning and till five o'clock, I would just apply for jobs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And finally, I found a job. Um, I worked there as a digital marketing manager and that's how I started working. Yeah, no, I think this is, you know, I one of the things I had in my notes was when we talk about the immigrant experience, it's always about, oh, you know, they're so successful, blah, blah, blah. But nobody actually talks about the trajectory, you know, and um, how you kind of followed your dream. You worked really, really hard for it. You started at like, I think you, I once shared on Instagram, you started at an hourly rate of like $8 yes. in your first job. And it was you know, and today you've like, you you earn six figures. So those kind of stories, you know, they should inspire people. And this is something we really, really need to talk about because I feel like in today's society, especially here in America, it's something very common, right? You just go to college and you just get a really good job and it's boom, 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 boom. But like for immigrants who come here and make their mark the hard way, you know, mm-hmm. they value all of that so much more. Mm-hmm. And I think another thing you mentioned about was, um, you know, you were talking about your ex-husband and I remember you sharing on Instagram, you know, when you separated from your husband and, you know, uh, I remember in our conversation, you talked about the kind of responses you got from across the board. Um, I bring this up only because I feel like it's uh, still a big taboo in our society. And this is something that, you know, before we dive into you know, what your experience has been like, I think we really, really need to acknowledge and credit women like you everywhere who, you know, are bold enough because the amount of courage it takes to actually get out of a marriage or relationship that is not working is commendable because it's not something everyone can do. And, you know, as you know, especially in our culture, once you get married and especially if there are kids involved, you know, like women just go through it, put up with it for years and decades on end. And they don't even see that as an option because they want to stay for the kids, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so to do all of that and finally say that, you know what, I want to choose myself and my happiness because 
And if I'm not happy, then, you know, I can't give, whether it's to a job, whether it's to friends, whether it's to family, I really cannot, you know, give my all. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Just please share like, you know, what your experience has been like. It's it's really eye opening. And it's something we should talk about. Yeah, absolutely. And I would start from like, how my marriage has been that led me to this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I never had a marriage. Basically, Uh, I was married to a guy I, I thought I was, but I don't think so. He was married to me. And it was, I think we were more like roommates than a husband and wife. Mm -hmm. For me, I, you know, we were married for seven years, uh, which is not a, you know, long time, but also not a very short time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, And leaving my country, my people, my career only for him, moving here, starting from scratch. I think he could never, I, I don't think so. He, men have that wired in their head that a woman, they can literally move countries and mountains for you and you will never realize it. Why? Mm-hmm. But, well, it happened. And I feel like I kept trying for seven years. Um, there were a lot of like family interventions for, you know, his behavior and my behavior, whatever. Because, of course, you're the daughter-in-law, you will be questioned. And to make it work, I even bought a house just to see that, you know, uh, how committed I am. Like, I'm so new to America. And I worked hard in 2020 and through 2021, saved enough money to give him that down payment from my savings for the house. It's not like he bought the house. We bought the house. Mm-hmm. and. The same week we bought the house, you know, my brother died because of COVID in India. So uh, I'm glad he was there for me emotionally. But sometimes you need that. You need more intimacy in your marriage. Mm-hmm. And I could not receive any. Mm-hmm. And I am a person who respects people's boundaries and space a lot. Mm-hmm. So I never push myself on on mm-hmm. my mm-hmm. husband mm-hmm. at all. And I and it's been what one year. We lived in that house and starting this year, I just separated myself sleeping with him completely because sleeping with someone that you love and you feel neglected and ignored and they would not touch you or they would not show you the love that you want, the kind of love that you Mm -hmm. want. It's insulting. It's so lonesome and it's not a good space to be in. So uh, we were sleeping separately since the you know beginning of the year. We were doing our own thing. We were, you know, making our own. Like he, I think I miss what I miss about him right now is, as soon as I would wake up in the morning, my tea would be ready. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's what I miss. Now I have to make it. But um, talk about the life you built after, right? I yeah. mean, you are so strong, so courageous. I have to give you so much kudos to that because, you know, you've come out of it so much stronger than you ever knew. And I think every day you're realizing your strengths, even now. I did not know that, though. Right. Because Uh I've never lived alone in my life. Mm -hmm. I lived with my parents all through my life, even during college, and then moved here, lived with my in-laws, then lived with my husband. Mm -hmm. I have never lived alone. Mm -hmm. And of course, I was scared. I cried a lot. And when I moved, the day I moved, I realized, holy shit, this is liberating. Right. 
it felt free. It hurt me, but it felt free mm-hmm. to another level. I could not even describe how it felt. Mm-hmm. I could really breathe. Yes, you know, I had to do things on my own now. I still don't drive a car because of my accident anxiety, but I am happy to work hard and I'm happy to do things alone that would make me uncomfortable rather than being ignored by a person mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love. Mm-hmm. So he's out of the picture now. And this is me. It's my time and I have my two cats who keep me sane. I have beautiful friends who, you know, keep a check on me. Mm-hmm. But I could not describe how I feel right now. This is beyond words. Mm-hmm. You chose yourself. Yeah. Yeah. You chose yourself. Finally, you chose yourself. Self-love. And we've talked about this in one of our episodes. Self-love is probably the highest form of love because once you you know, get to the point of absolutely loving yourself. You just absolutely, there's no other way but to love everybody else. So that's great. I mean, because it's not an easy thing growing up in India. And we've talked about this before as well, that choosing yourself that can come across as selfish. Oh, you're breaking this marriage because you feel that you need these things or you feel. But actually it is the most highest form of love, mm-hmm. you know, so choosing yourself. So kudos to that. I think uh, we all have some experiences that we can relate to mm-hmm. with your story as well. Yeah. No, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah one thing my uh, ex-husband told me when I asked him that, why couldn't you love me? And he said, no, you, you were loved and you were accepted, but not how you wanted it. I said, okay, well, that's my closure. Cause yeah. if yeah. you're not giving me the kind of love that I need to, really be myself then this that's not love and you that's have true. an if and buts in the love mm-hmm. sorry yeah call me uh whatever romantic but that's the kind of love i want no and i and i just feel like irrespective of relation like whether it's a spousal relationship whether it's a friendship you know if you have ifs and buts and conditions mm-hmm. you know to love a person mm-hmm. you're truly not letting that person be themselves yes and when you close out that pathway to growth mm-hmm. in any form of relationship i just feel like you're kind of closing the doors right there yeah you know yeah and, and it's happened uh, ever since i've moved out it's not long ago that i moved out it's been like two months mm-hmm. one thing that i've noticed that i've let people who are very close to me go yeah because First of all, if you do not understand my life and how my emotions run and how I make my decisions, as a friend, if you don't understand and you don't stand by me for that, you're not a friend. Mm -hmm. I don't care how old a friend you are and Mm -hmm. how much you've helped me. If you're not here now, my journey becomes something so beautiful that your presence won't even matter. Mm -hmm. No, it's it's funny because I relate to this because I was just, uh, Dia, my daughter, is seven, right? And uh, she was talking about this girl in her class that, you know, is mean to her or something like that, you know? And I was just thinking about it and I'm like, you know what, Dia, as you get older, you have fewer friends, but you know how magical that is? Because those are the people who will stick with you no matter what, Yeah, you know? So yeah. I, I just like, you know, that's the thing, right? And I feel like mm. that's also the beauty of... Uh, 
growing old and the wisdom you gain and it's it's again it's a liberating feeling mm-hmm. you know you're just like ha huh, okay i feel lighter now yes, you know because you you want to have that one two three people who you can just be you know unapologetically yourself and no one's judging you for it right not at all yeah i think as we grow old it's also hard to make new adult friendships mm-hmm. so i think I- i've been blessed enough to have you know just a handful of friends who are not only they are non judgmental but they are just so mindful of my time mm-hmm. and the how, the kind of love they give me is the kind of love i need yeah so you know it it's crazy when i announced on social media that you know i'm finally formally physically moved out mm-hmm. you won't believe how many women reached out to me who are already going through a divorce they are my friends they are my childhood friends they are my friends who i've worked with no one knew their stories and all i see them playing with their kids and going on with their life and the one response that i got from all of them and none of them know each other like one of them lived in india one of them here one of them somewhere else the collective response was that we are happy Mm-hmm. that we are not in that marriage mm-hmm. and that gave me a lot of assurance for me i don't have a kid thank god i don't have a kid somehow and for them to say that we've been married to that guy for like 14 years or whatever years we have daughters and sons with them but we are still happy to mm-hmm. fight this fight yeah because this is our time we we are going to get that back and i have never been more inspired in my life and that that was the time i am like you know what fuck it i am going to do whatever i want to do yeah i am done with that feeling of being neglected i'm going to give the love that i need myself yeah no that's that's so true um so after all this life experience and all of this that you've gone through what according to you are say five things that women and especially immigrant women everywhere should really focus on you know to kind of just get them through the good and the bad times self growth mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it's very important to sit with yourself and try to retrospect life because your life has changed you've moved here your life has changed and from personal experiences i found out i learned a lot about myself because you know um if i get into the technicality there are a lot of women who cannot work for a year what are you going to do so try to get into activities that would make you out of the house try to go to meetups where women from the same background meet that's what i did i met women from different backgrounds i met friends i made acquaintances um try to find your passion mm-hmm. you know be it writing be it cooking be it you know just going to a gym even mm-hmm. but try to get out of the house start making your own rules make your own checklist Mm-hmm. because unfortunately we have to start learning driving again here so everything starts from scratch mm-hmm. but prioritize yourself um if you have to learn a skill or two seek out help because a lot of us we don't seek help and it's hard for us to navigate sometimes alone um i reached out to people for help I found out my passion was just to put myself out there with everything that I have everything that I am 
And I did that from, you know, I started blogging from my personal page and then mm-hmm, mm-hmm. South Asian Nation was created. But self-growth is going to go a long way, even when you find your, you know, foot in the ground and you're thriving in your life. But just try to be yourself. <laughs> Don't ever merge in ever. You find your place, your niche as a person. Mm-hmm. That's most important because otherwise you're just going to be another brown person. Yep. Yep. And you don't want that. Yeah. If you have a voice, raise it. This is a country where at least you won't be killed if you raise a voice. So um, I remember one of the examples when George Floyd, you know, murder happened. I went for the, of course, I shared a lot on social media. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And also I went to the protest in Chicago. And one of my friends told me that, you know, you're not a citizen yet. You cannot, this is not your right. I said, who told me? Mm-hmm. Like, who told you? I'm not a citizen, but I am paying my taxes in this country. I'm, mm-hmm. a, I'm a resident. Mm-hmm. It's a human right. It's a human yes. right. Yeah. It's my right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's not a favor that America is doing on me by me being quiet. That's bullshit. I am going to go and raise my voice for mm-hmm. whatever, whoever I support. Yeah. And no one can stop me, be it. And so this myth about you're not an American citizen, so you cannot have a voice. Yes, you have a voice and you can raise it. Yeah. No one's going to come after you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a great words of wisdom right there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think there's all that that I've, you know, done in my life and gone through. I know, um, of course, uh, my mom is my biggest inspiration. She, oh my gosh, the kind of woman she is, I am literally an aunt in front of her right now that I'm still learning how to be her. Yeah. But, and yes, like if you're an immigrant woman, reach out to another immigrant woman. Yeah, no, I think community is everything. Um, Actually, I was talking to uh, someone else recently and uh, as I was saying the word community, I just realized it's community mm-hmm. to unite you know yeah. so unite with your tribe like we say on the chai break podcast all the time right the kind of women we bring on is you know we say it's your vibe your tribe you mm-hmm. know um and that's what it is all about so thank you so much for these words of wisdom and uh, with that we wrap up this episode and if you want to learn more about all of the work amazing work that divya does through south asian nation check out south asian nation on instagram and uh, we leave the link in the show notes as well. Thank you, Divya. This was Thank you so much, ladies. It was amazing. And keep up the good work. Thank you. Of course, you, you do. You are unstoppable. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. That's the song I'm going to play right now in the morning. <laughs> it's amazing. Thank you so much. So until next time, everyone. Bye. 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 You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts. Do continue to give us your valuable feedback via ratings, reviews, and hit the subscribe or follow button so you don't miss out on our new episodes. Your support means the world to us. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at chai underscore break underscore podcast to get the scoop on our latest episodes dropping every Wednesday. You can also write to us at chaibreakpodcast at gmail.com.